What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode, episode four of Millennial Money. Jeremy, Andre, what's up? We're on standby for Graham. In the meantime, tell me what the heck is happening in the world, because I think I went from bankruptcy to not bankruptcy pretty dang fast in the last 24 hours here. I'm glad Graham's not here, because he would not approve of this Dutch Bros coffee. Ooh, it's that looks good. <laughs> I would love a Dutch right now, Andre. Oh, my gosh. Before Jeremy, get- I think you need that right now. You were just telling us about how... Uh- my wife just brought home some shrimp from this, this Mexican restaurant. I'm telling you, it was in this habanero sauce. It's so spicy. This was the worst idea ever eating that right before we're about to get on this live stream with a bunch of people watching us. My tongue feels like it's slowly melting right now, but I'll, I'll make it through, guys. I'll struggle through because it was a green day, and Kevin, I don't even want to know how much money you made. Maybe at some point in this episode, we'll get into that, but you must have made so much money today. I can't even explain it, man. Congrats to you. I wanted to say that was a great video. I love the Jim Cramer substitute. Can we get that every Monday? That was awesome. I'm so sad I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that. No, it's, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, uh, I hope I don't get sued, bro. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, man, I mean, today was, geez, I'll tell you though, even though today was green and nice, there's there was a lot of pain the last like 10 days. This market was something I'm else. I'm loving it. Oh my <sighs> god, I love it. I've been buying. It's it's awesome. totally it's it's all it's all buying and I keep buying too. But the problem with me is I'm like this I'm this uncontrolled <laughs> in, insane person who's like this this kid who's always in the candy shop, always stuffing their face with candy. But then it's almost like somebody emptied my stomach, like the market crashed, and it was just like, now I'm hungry in a candy shop. And I, it's just so unhealthy and bad because it's just like, margin, no problem. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Sure, I'll buy that. Swipe, swipe, swipe. So it's like, ah. So did you increase your margin position? Oh, my God. I'm over 50%. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. It's bad. Yeah. Over now, 50% margin? Margin, yeah. Well, part of it is because – so. Uh, I was at 20% right before I sold a bunch of stocks right before this, this madness happened. Luckily, I mean, just fluke. And uh, just because I wanted to be at 20% margin, but then there was like this private, uh, like you, you could buy the stocks off market. So I, I, there was this opportunity. I came up to buy a stock off market and I just had like, I had $1.7 million of extra money in, in margin, like not my money in margin. And I'm like, okay, I'll just put that into that private deal. <laughs> And so like literally Feb 18th or whatever, like I wire this money to a private uh, deal. And so my margin went to like 29% the day before like everything started falling off a cliff. Uh, And and the problem with things falling off a cliff, your stock value goes down, your margin value goes up. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I'm at like 37%. I'll just buy a bunch. And I'm pretty sure I bought my way up to like 50%. It's it's pretty bad. Wow. If you got the money to do it, do it, man. Yeah. It's it's scary though, because it's like, you know, I've I've got options in Robinhood, but uh you don't get any margin collateral on, on options, and margins like evaporate fast in a crash, right? So yeah. anybody who's like heavy on margins in a crash, they get they get boned. Like you have real a plan bad. Do you have What's a plan that? if that happens? What's your plan of attack if that happens? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of. So, uh, it, you know, it, all, it always comes down to how extreme it gets. I mean, there's always a risk with this stuff. But I only got, I've got about 10% uh, in margin. I'm sorry, 10% in options. There's nothing I could really do with the options because the options go so dirt cheap. Like the last thing I would want to sell would be options in a crash. 
because you'd get nothing for them. Uh, you just get ripped off. So uh, I have about 1.5 in cash that I could use to buffer margin, uh, okay. which I've got like seven and a half of margin. It's pretty bad. That, that's, uh, that's like 10% Tesla going down that you would probably lose around that, right? If what? If Tesla oh, dropped what, what, 5%, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. A 10% move in Tesla would probably do that, yeah. Uh, that won't so, a lot, but it's, I don't know if that's enough, is it? No, no, it, it really, it, it, it isn't. So one, but like, look, the last deep numbers that I did was, uh, it was before the Friday crash. I think it was like on the Thursday crash. I did my numbers. I'm like, okay, so I'm at like 43% margin or maybe it was like 46% or 47%, something like that. Either way, if I took all the cash I had, it would only drop me 6% in margin. So it'd bring me down another 6%. Uh, then I would have to pull my credit lines, which uh, would be, maybe would drop me another two or 3%. So I'd have another buffer there. Uh, if I sold out my Bitcoin, I'd be able, unless that crashed, I'd be able to get down maybe another 3%. So I've really only got like a 12 or 13% buffer. And when you're sitting at 47 percentage points, it's, it's painful. Yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> I feel like if the, if the market drops, the crypto market would equally drop, if not more. I don't think, I don't think people are going to flock to crypto. They're not going to be like, oh, safe haven, Bitcoin. Uh, well, yeah. So when, when Bitcoin was going down 20%, which, which it did just in the last couple of weeks, you know, it went from like 57 to like 43 or something at one point. I'm like, here we go. This is how your boy Kevin gets reamed. <laughs> and then the next thing that happens is interest rates go up. And all my property values get slashed <laughs> and I'm just ultra effed. <laughs> wow. Dude, I, I had this scary ad come on uh, YouTube earlier today. I was like driving home and I was like listening to YouTube and uh, this ad came on for, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know if it was a brokerage or what in the crypto market, right? They said essentially 24X margin you can take out on Dogecoin. What? And I was like, what? That sounds like a, like what? <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, this is not going to end well. 24x on Doge, and I, I didn't look into the specifics. Maybe it's only up to like, you know, five thousand dollars or something like that. But I was like, oh my gosh, jeez. And and that's the stuff where it's just like people complain about Robinhood making it too easy to get into like options or or you know, hundred percent margin, which is basically two x margin to be relative to that. Uh, but uh, what like. 24x. I mean, I get scared when people talk about 4x margin, which you can mm -hmm. get at TD Ameritrade, you know, like, geez, 24x. I mean, that just sounds like literally you're just asking for bankruptcy. <laughs> asking. Uh, yeah. But uh, wait, 4x at TD Ameritrade. Wait a minute. I thought there was uh, some sort of law you could only do either either 2 or 3x on, on individual stocks. I thought that was like, unless they tore down that, that rule or law. I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I just have uh, I have a, a real estate client and uh, he and maybe this is this is old school because the last time I really talked to him was probably regularly about stocks. It's probably like three or four years ago. I would talk to this guy every single day. It was literally I, I would wake up and I would have missed messages from this guy. And it was like 645. Now I like him, but this like he was so gung ho about, oh, you finding me a deal today? Every single day he'd call me like, you finding me a real estate deal today? Like I, I got to have a deal. And uh, so back then he used to do all these biotech trades about like, oh, this penny stock is going to go up 10x or whatever. And yeah. sometimes like he, he'd be fully leveraged and it, it would go like so well. Like there were times this one penny stock he was in, it was some pharmaceutical five years ago. I don't know, maybe somebody 
some somebody in the comments knows this stock. Uh, something about uh, testing for uh, diabetes or like an inhalant, inhalant for uh, diabetes or whatever, insulin inhalant. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, the thing went from like a buck to five dollars, and he was at least that's what he told me. He was four x leverage, so I don't know if that meant like his one x plus three x leverage at TD. But he was at TD, okay. and I mean the guy was making big, but the guy had lost everything in his life three times like three times in his life he went from millionaire to zero millionaire to zero millionaire to zero and it's like i don't want to do that so you know i'm like oh i'll, I'll maybe do the 20 percent margin i got a little you know extended there at the 29 30 margin right before this but uh but yeah man big margin scary are you excited Graham. What's up, Graham? without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There we go. I, missed, I thought it started at 7 for some reason. <laughs> Hey, where did I get that? Hey, man, listen, yeah. we're, we're talking about going 24x margin on Doge. What do you think? Why not? We're <laughs> in Vegas after all. YOLO. That's what I moved for Vegas for. <laughs> Grandma, breaking your cardinal rule. I'm not drinking 20 cent iced coffee. I'm sorry. Oh, no. What is that? <laughs> Dutch Bros. What? what is that? I've, ne I've never seen that it's before. so good, right? Jeremy. Dutch, Dutch is the best. I don't oh, want to look gosh. at the sugar content, but they are. I got, I got my coffee here. It's been sitting a little too long, though. But <laughs> That looks like yeah, it's three right. weeks old, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's how Graham really saves money. Actually, are you guys excited for tomorrow? I don't know. The market? No yeah. one's excited what's for tomorrow. Excited? No, I'm, I'm excited. See, what's going to happen with inflation numbers? I'm really curious yeah. about that. Well, yeah. Andre, you think inflation's coming, right? I think so. Yeah, I actually spoke to Anthony Pompliano today. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a huge Bitcoin investor. Oh, and that's freaking awesome, man. Yeah, he was uh, talking to us about some interesting stuff about inflation, how there's official numbers and there's unofficial numbers. So I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. I'm not going to speculate. I have no idea. But I, I but, think but Pomp is a yeah. big, big crypto he, bull. He's, a, he's what's called a maximalist, which is like he almost does not even acknowledge the existence of anything else. He's like, <laughs> I don't care about anything else. It's Bitcoin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm bullish on Bitcoin. The more I read and study about Bitcoin, the more bullish I am. But I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I get it. You know, people say that, hey, well, I mean, look at gas prices. Look at food prices. Like, look at all the inflation. Look at asset price inflation, stocks, real estate. I, but I, I don't know. I mean... You know, I, I mean, inflation means consistently prices of our products going up, our phones, our utilities, our, our products, our cars, all this stuff. I don't I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't know. What do you guys think, Jeremy Graham? Oh, I think there's inflation. I, I'm calling BS if somebody says there's no inflation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. I feel like there's there's got to be some. And I yeah. feel like right now it's artificially low just because people aren't out there spending money. I know for myself, I mean, even to go out to dinner is a little bit more of a hassle. You're not going out as often. You're not doing as many things. I feel like once the economy starts reopening again, 
just like Jerome Powell said, there's got to be that initial hit where everyone just goes crazy. It's like that, that uh, you know, you go off to college that first week, and I've seen friends do that. They go wild. The first week <laughs> with their parents, they just go crazy. I feel like that's what people are going to be doing as soon as they could go out again and spend a little money. There has to be. And it's just whether or not that's going to last. I think it, 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 there's got to be some level to that that, that – Whatever it is, I think it's higher than what we're told it is. I'm not. I, I don't know how high it is, but I think it's slightly higher than what we're told. I like to speak to people in the real world, you know, <laughs> that are really actually doing real stuff in their life, other than just like uh, like us in our little bubble with making YouTube videos and surveys. People at Planet Thirteen <laughs> <laughs> and CNBC, CNBC in their little bubble and and wealth managers, yeah. like because like. When, when I speak to folks that are in like real industries, like my dad, we, we went um, and we had to drive to the dump one day. He hurt his back, so we needed to dump the sand into the like, uh, I don't know, waste management. So we drove over there and he's like, man, every time I come over here, it's always two bucks more expensive. And then he was telling me about how chlorine tabs continue to go up in price and like anything chlorine related, he owns a little small pool business. And I just like listen to these things and he's like, yeah, the, a bucket of tabs is $50 more expensive than it was at this time last year. I'm like, hmm. And then I talk with another friend who's in the ductwork business and he's telling me they're having to do like surcharges because of steel and aluminum prices have been out of whack. And then I'm hearing about oil prices are starting to go up. And you're seeing all these things. And then I just read something recently about lumber is at like record highs right now. And I'm like, like you just sometimes got to talk to people in the real world that actually do real jobs. I call it for a living. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, everything's getting more expensive. How do they say there's no inflation? It just doesn't make any sense, man. Right. It doesn't make any dang sense. Actually, uh, speaking of real estate, I, I do agree with your real estate, Matos, but as a, I have a question for Graham and Kevin. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a landlord, but I'm a, I'm a tenant. You guys are landlords. Mm -hmm. I have a question. So I've been in my place here for five, going on six years as a renter, and uh, you know the carpets aren't perfect. You know they get dirty after a while. At what point is it okay to be like, hey, landlord, don't take my security deposit? It just oh, kind of happens. Or, no. or is this? Or is yeah. this? Here's the thing, that's normal wear and tear. So I write things like walls and carpets, they have a lifespan. So I believe, Kevin, you might know this, at least in California, I think it's like three, four years where all of a sudden any damage done to the carpet, they can't charge you on that. It's just wear and tear. The issue is that a landlord could do whatever they want. They could take your security deposit and say, well, that that's what it is, it's damaged. And then what are you gonna do? You well, got a small claims court. What's crazy is we don't have a contract together. We used to because he, he had a management company manage his place. But for whatever reason, they had a falling out and we never signed an official contract. So there is no contract, um, which is kind of interesting. So well, you still have a lease, though, yeah. with with the original lease that, that you're still performing under. I imagine that that would still. Yeah, I imagine guardian that the rules it. here. Yeah. Uh, but but it, yeah, I mean. How long have you been there? Five years, going on six. Yeah, you've been there so long. I wouldn't worry. I mean, like, I I would clean the place up, you know, patch the holes that you made, any kind of blatant damage that you made, uh, or, or, you know, fix what you can, clean it up. But I wouldn't worry about, uh, like, make sure it's nice and clean, broom clean. But I wouldn't worry about, like, oh, the carpet's worn or there's, there, you know, the walls are biffed or marked up or whatever. Paint, carpet, a lot of stuff, like Graham says, wear and tear. Yeah. 
just trying to find out some tips and tricks from you. Yeah. I mean, the reality is I've seen landlords, they just take the, the entire deposit and then yeah. they hope the tenant's not going to fight back. Right. Because for you to, it's for you, I mean, it's, it's not worth it. So hopefully your landlord's not watching this and just be like, it was, it was $1,200. So it's really not what? Oh, Andre, you'll be okay. I think I'll be all right. I'm frugal. You know how many coffees did that $1,200 buys? That's a lot. I know. <laughs> did you buy, um, or did you take pictures when you moved in? I did. Yeah. Okay, good. So, so clean up nicely, take pictures after the fact, uh, document it very well, you know, inside the oven, behind doors, you know, the things that people usually forget. You'll be fine, man. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask though about in inflation. So, okay. Like let's, let's go down that path. Construction, ducts, commodity prices, all this stuff going up, partially in my opinion, in relation to all this real estate demand that's going on. Uh, but are we actually going to see that consistent, right? I, I think that's the question. If we see mortgage rates tick up and we see construction real estate slow down a bit uh, and, and we see this economy go from, oh, factories and, and processing facilities are no longer shut down, like we're fully back caught up to speed, do we get this temporary, like 2021 is the year of inflation and then 2022 we're back in the, you know, the dump and we're starting to look like Europe or Japan again. So interestingly, I don't want to be Dr. Doom, but yesterday I just read an article by Dr. Doom. Doom. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Osterholm? Was that his name? You guys know what I'm talking about? He's uh, mm -hmm. with Dr. Fauci. Uh, hold on. I'm looking at it right now. Article says his name is Michael Osterholm. So Got it. he's kind of staking his career right now. There's an article on New York Mag. New York Mag, um, very interesting article about him basically. Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. I was just gonna say staking, as in, are we talking about cryptos now and NFT? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, the uh, pandemic. So he says that he's basically staking his entire career, saying that he thinks we're in the eye of the storm. And so I don't know if you guys read how Europe is going through another um, kind of round of the mutation of the virus. And so he thinks that's eventually going to come here and it's going to be a lot worse than what we've seen before. So that kind of throws a wrench into oh, it. But doesn't the vaccine cover that, the new no. strain? It doesn't. There's a, wait, so there's a new strain that's resistant to the current vaccines that are out there. Yeah, don't quote me on it, but yeah, it's a very powerful version of that virus. All I'm thinking about is Kevin doing the margin calculations in his head right now, thinking, oh, crap, how much do I have on margin again? <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. But but the guy was super, I mean, super careful the way he approached it. He's not like just doom and gloom shouting. And he's like, this is a terrifying thing for me to say out loud. I don't want to stake my career on this. Um, I hope minute. I'm wrong, but yeah. Hold on a I found it here. Hold on. Yes, uh, Dr. Doom. The pandemic's Dr. Boom, Doom bets it all, this guy? Yeah. That's Dr. Boom. Just take a read of that article. It's kind of scary. Let's see. Yeah. I. So what is it here? Uh, okay. More than 54 million Americans. Uh, okay. Over 65. That's where 80% of the deaths occur. Okay. About. Okay. Let's see here. We're trying to protect as many lives as possible. Ulsterholm has a gift for making these statistically, the statistics deeply personal. Okay, where's the eye of the storm? There, um, I didn't know this, this is kind of command find eye of the storm. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is. I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right one. This is uh, mm -hmm. Doctor Doom bets it all. 
Uh, this is this one says he's delayed. No, this is the same one. I'll look through this one a little. Yeah, bit Yeah, take give it a read, see what you think. But I mean, uh, it's not not the greatest news. Um, so that could kind of throw a wrench into it. We could like perhaps. I mean, I don't think, but who knows? See a, like a March two point Who knows? It it is scary, and you kind of have to take all these things realistic because yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when you know Roni Rona was just first starting, and it was kind of like what uh, something going on in China. Who, who cares? And then all of a sudden, it became so real. And next thing you know, the whole world shut down. It's like what? Like how right. fast, man? Yeah, no. He's saying like even if you get the vaccine, you should still take precautions. You should still wear masks. You should still just be super careful. Um, and like we're opening, we're trying to reopen. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I'm I'm too too bullish on these vaccines, but I thought the vaccines, you know, were, so, were even effective against these other strains. Yeah. I mean, so I found like I found something that Doctor uh -huh. Fauci mentioned, and I, you know what, Kevin, I could actually just send this to you here, and you can throw it up on the screen. I, I'm pretty sure Doctor Fauci's in agreement with him. Um, yeah, so there is a new strain, but is it that B one one seven? Something like that. I just I just sent it to you. I sent you the outline version, but that this new strain the vaccine doesn't cover it as much as the current one so it's not impossible that you could get this new strain it's unlikely mm -hmm. that's good news yeah because well, this variant that's more resistant to vaccines spreading efficiently in new york okay yeah because i mean what, what so that's all i could find fake news <laughs> it's a scam <laughs> it's a scam it's an ico it's an NFT uh, sponsored okay. by Robinhood. So, uh, look, the, the thing is, like, okay, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't want to believe that there's going to be like a second round of the pandemic. Neither do I. Neither do I. No, nobody wants that. Uh, maybe something to pay attention to. I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that even if there was this new variant, they couldn't adjust the vaccines a little bit and do some kind of booster and also capture this variant. Uh, you know, well, what they're saying is we're going to have periodic shots throughout the year that we'll have yeah. to come back in and get and oh, shrink wow. our immune system. But, you know, with people, not everyone's going to do that. And yeah, Pfizer, so WBA, yeah. Pfizer, Woo! WBA. Pfizer. I don't know. Where, where do you guys get these articles? <laughs> On the internet. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook group. <laughs> Fair. So I don't know. I guess, I guess, yeah. I mean, if we had another March style crash, which I just have this hard time believing, but here's the thing. Look, even if we had, okay, let's, let's go with this devil's advocate. So we have a second, you know, COVID outbreak. The vaccines don't work. It's lockdowns 2.0. We've, we've been down this dress rehearsal, right? We've yes. been through this. I don't actually think we, we will see this March sell-off again that we did last year because remember what we felt last March. What we felt last March wasn't, oh, there's a pandemic. We're going to have to lock down, right? What we felt was, oh, my God, this thing's coming from China. That's going to kill all of us. Get all the toilet paper you can freaking get. <laughs> Stock the shelves with all the Beyond Meat, Tattooed Chef, and very good food you can get. And, and batten down the hatches and, and sell every single you know restaurant and, and travel-related stock and buy all the tech stocks, right? 
I, I don't know that we're ever going to have that fear again. Certainly not with the coronavirus. You know, any any kind of. Depends on how the media portrays it, right? If they portray it as something crazy, then I don't see a world where they're going to be like new strain on the horizon, resistant to vaccine, and the market's going to be like, "Yay, let's go, keep going up." Like, I just <laughs> don't see that happening. You know, if 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 they announce it and if it becomes a serious issue, there is no way in hell like the market is not going to react negatively. Graham. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would be like kicking the economy when it's kind of down. And I think they would have to redo a lot of those stimulus packages, extend them way further. I don't know. I feel like there are, there are sections of the economy that are already really fragile and some that are doing really well. But there's fragile bits and pieces of like airlines and hotels and hospitality and restaurants. That is just, I, that I think would be just kind of like the nail in the coffin if we went through another round like what we did. And since for, what, for, for like restaurants and stuff for yes for, for everything in the k-shaped economy everything that's been doing really poorly i think is going to do even worse yeah. it's going to be hard to sustain a lot of that and they would have to come up with so much money to be able to help people out like that either way it seems like inflation is coming in that <laughs> scenario right in that yeah. scenario okay fair if that happened uh, yeah, that would be a massive issue because now the government's having to probably double down on on the amount of stimulus that we've done. And I mean, I don't know if, if the money I did some math on this, if the velocity of money stayed the way it is now, we could probably print about four times as much money as we have to actually start seeing inflation, which is a whole lot of freaking money printing. Like we, instead of printing, you know, six, seven billion dollars, we'd have to be somewhere in the range of 24 to 30 billion dollars. Can you Eli five? Sorry, can you Eli five? <laughs> What's that? Oh, explain like a five. Basically, what Kevin is saying is that not a lot of people are spending money. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Right, but I'm talking about the math behind how you calculated it. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so like I'm five. Okay. Uh, so what you can do is you can take. Uh, okay. Let's let's say there are five dollars or four dollars between between all of us okay we all have one dollar and uh we have an economy called the millennial money economy right now we have a combined money supply between all of us of four dollars right if our gross domestic product of our economy here is twelve dollars we have a money velocity of three if we usually have a money velocity of five uh, you know, in a normal market and we go, let's say, let's say we, we print a bunch of money right now uh, and we each double the amount of dollars we have. Then now we've got, let's say, OK, now we've had a lot of stimulus. Now, instead of each of us having one dollar, we've got two dollars. Now our economy, uh, our, our uh, the, the amount of money outstanding is eight dollars. Uh, now we multiply by the normal money velocity, the three. Uh, we get to eight dollars times three. That's a twenty-four, you know, dollar economy is what we've created here, uh, and maybe maybe that's similar to what we had in the past. So now we've printed money, but maybe in the past, before the pandemic that we just went through, we had a twenty-four dollar economy, but now let's say the money velocity goes back up to five. Well, now we have a forty-dollar economy. Now we're maybe you know fifteen percent larger than usual. That's inflation because the economy is not actually growing at fifteen percent. If the if the pandemic did not happen, hopefully right. that was an like maybe yeah. like a six year old. It kind of reminds me a bit like a bow and arrow, and you're uh -huh. pulling it back, and the more you pull it back, the more tension there is. 
but nothing is happening if you don't release the bow. I kind of feel like the more money that's being printed, the more tension we're putting on that bow. And that if there's a spending spree, it's like you're just <laughs> releasing. There's an innuendo in there somewhere. What? It's got the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I mean, so so I guess the the I mean, the counter argument to that, though, Graham, is while at the same time, maybe all this money printing, like the drone power with the crank is, is pulling that bow back at the same time. A lot of people over this pandemic have realized unless you own real estate and stocks, you're getting effed in this country. You're mm -hmm. screwed. So people are now taking more money, throwing it into the markets through whatever investment they can get their hands on. I mean, heck, people are trying to put money into to NFTs because they'd rather than spend the money. They would rather buy NFTs. And honestly, if it's between buying a coach purse and buying an NFT, in this day and age, go buy an NFT. You say, like, say, like I'd rather. Andre be, yeah, I would rather it be some form of of investment, even if I think it's a pseudo investment. You tell that to the Birkin bag holders, all right? <laughs> yeah, and they'll be bag holders, all right. <laughs> hey, is, is Birkin or Birkin? Birkin, right? Birkin, Birkin. bags. Yeah, I mean yeah. those things appreciate in value like crazy. I don't know anything don't about know. it. Oh, <laughs> my, wife, my wife keeps making that argument to me. She says, oh, you should buy me a, a couple of Birkin bags. They hold their value really well. It's interesting. They're very much like watches. You could yeah. buy, like, if you buy the right ones, they're going to hold their value or appreciate exactly like a watch. Kind of I like a car. <laughs> or, like a, or like a Ford GT. <laughs> Actually, yeah. speaking of NFTs, I did dabble last week in some, and I think they have a lot of potential, but that, that's a whole separate rabbit hole we can go down. Really. You bought the Steve Aoki one. I saw. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Steve actually lives here in Vegas, and I've been talking to him. Uh, well, I mean, he doesn't know who I am, but uh, and, and he's like, yeah, super cool. But I, I think for now, NFTs are super far from being legit, just because regulation is just nowhere near understanding what the hell they are, or supporting them. There's no legislation, but in the future, I could see how it becomes a big thing. Um, imagine as a creator, like you can issue your own NFT that grows in value that people can redeem and as soon as they redeem it the token is then destroyed but you, they could redeem it for a lunch with kevin or something or whatever mm -hmm. and then they can hang out with him and maybe today that nft is worth let's say ten thousand dollars but in the future once kevin has his own cnbc millennial money episode instead of jim kramer maybe that 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 token's worth half a million dollars right so i mean it's it's a really interesting economy and i I did outline a bunch of NFT like guidelines. If you are going to get into it, what you should look for. But yeah, I mean, does it matter though the regulation aspect? I mean, right I now it seems like the the regulators are conforming to the way the Bitcoin industry is almost self regulating. It's it's almost like the government slowly itching in, just going, "You guys just keep doing what you're doing." Yeah, <laughs> like the boomers, sure. the government is. It's, like what's the stop i mean maybe maybe when it's fully regulated you know all the people are like oh i guess bitcoin's a safe investment you know maybe that comes out and the price volatility goes away but i mean for right now i, I don't know that that regulation would stop any kind of uh, growth that we're seeing and not so much stop i'm just saying support right so if i bought a token from you and i'm trying to claim it for whatever it's worth whatever tangible good is attached to it and you're not giving it to me you're like you keep delaying our lunch meeting or whatever what do i have as, as a consumer to protect me against 
whatever contract was, you know, not even written. There's no contract. So it's like, who's going to uphold that? How am I going to, do I take you to court? What happens? So there's so a lot of clarity that needs to happen. Aren't smart contracts written down? Yeah, they are. But again, if the government, like, I don't know if the court system is going to recognize them or give them any validity or if they're like, sorry, you've got no real contract. I, who knows? So we'll see. I mean, that's interesting because like if I had a smart contract and somebody defaulted on me and it, even if it was Ethereum based to me, I'd still be going to court. <laughs> you, know? yeah, you can. And I guess well, there's yet to have a precedent to be set in that regard. Like, you know, maybe one of these days we'll have something happen to where that shines some clarity on it. But for now, it's like the Wild West, right? Yeah. There's, yeah. I can't mm -hmm. wait until one day we have crypto courtrooms. Imagine just somebody like a Judge Judy just overruling all the crypto. That'd be sick. All online, you just FaceTime with them. Like like what we're doing now, except it's a courtroom. That's, they're not going to be consumers. <laughs> What's yeah. that, Jeremy? That was like, that's not decentralized enough. I'm against that. <laughs> no, like you know what? In the future, all the miners will become judges, and they'll all determine and so that way it'll be like a decentralized vote. <laughs> Actually, some crypto tokens are structured exactly like that. Oh, wow. Uh, so what, like, what's the, what, what exactly is the NFT you bought, Andre, with the Stevie Aoki deal? Is it like a song or what? No, it's like, it's like a, gosh, how do I describe it? Like a 30-second long video that has his soundtrack attached to it. And it's super cool. But, I mean... Gosh, I, I bought it just to see what the hype was all about, just to figure out like the process of buying it, what it takes. Can I, I trade it? Can I sell it? It was actually pretty straightforward. And there's two different ways. There, there's a plugin called MetaMask. It's basically like a Chrome plugin that you download. And then you could put Ethereum into your wallet. And a lot of creators want Ethereum. Alternatively, you can connect a credit card to your bank account. And you could buy it like that, which is super straightforward. And I'm hoping that one of these days, Maybe someone like Steve might say, hey, if you have my token, if you have one of my um, NFTs, you could come to my concert. You can come to my rave, whatever. You know, So only the token holders can do that. That would be amazing. Those would have value. Yeah. Like actual tangible. You, sell it? you should sell it. And just, just so you get the process of both buying and selling. Yeah, I, I probably will at some point. Okay. Yeah. You know, did you guys hear, uh, I'm sure you did, Square acquiring Tidal, uh, streaming service. I mean, to me, that's just a door right into NFTs and music space. You know, cutting out the licensing companies, instead letting the creators take more profits, and then, you know, the community to share in the beans. I, I would love to know your guys' thoughts on NFTs, because I, I, I kind of get it. I'm still figuring it out. I'm not going to say I'm like an expert at it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about, like, do you guys oh, think yeah. they have a future? Are they a scam? Are they a bubble? L let, me, let me share my thoughts on the whole music thing. Yeah. I have heard this concept of, like, um, being able to, you know, sell an NFT, and then you get the royalties on, let's say, a song or something like that, or part ro royalties. I think that could be an interesting concept. Like imagine you find an artist before they like blow up, which there's people just scouring the internet, always trying to find like, you know, it's just like a passion of theirs. They want to find like the next artist before they blow up. Right. And uh, I mean, imagine you, you know, you, you get some of these songs that, you know, end up going huge. And next thing you know, I mean, you can make, you know, crazy amounts of money and things like that. So I, I understand on that concept, there's other industries and things. I'm not quite understanding it. I know today on like CNBC, they were talking about something about like Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, tight end in the NFL. He's going to do some like 
playing card uh, NFTs. Um, he's going to sell. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that a little bit, but I do understand the music side. I was like, that, that's pretty intriguing. Yeah. It's not limited to music. It's, I mean, it's everything. It's, it's going to infiltrate everything. Again, I think it's far away from like a regulatory standpoint, <laughs> but the technology is there. Um, and then Graham, I saw uh, your interview with Blau. That was interesting. Yeah. He is awesome. <clears throat> everything he said was way over my head. By the way, he's, he's, he's here in Vegas and he's actually from the magic world. Like, he does magic. Like people in the magic community know he it's it's amazing. It's a small I, world. I no idea. He is that so is, smart. That Kevin. was a good video. Oh, you watched it? Uh, yeah. I mean that he is yeah. somebody that I would love. I don't have a connection, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to talk to just to to understand the NFT and just ask some other questions because uh, I mean you had you had great questions. I just had like every question you asked, I had like 10 more. You know, like that conversation, I feel like could have gone on for 10 hours. And I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Obviously, you know what? I'm sure space. at one point we could bring him on here. He's been so busy, like scheduling him in took like two weeks just to get one hour. And he was prompt, by the way, like he showed up right on time. And then after the hour, he's like, All right, I, I got another place to be. He was like, schedule him. Crazy. He's one of the few people I feel like uh, when I was talking about NFTs, who's completely unbiased who's yeah. never trying to sell you anything, who like doesn't necessarily like need the money. It's just a passion. You definitely feel that from him, that there's no yeah. like upsell. Like it's he not a record, money. right? For anybody watching, by the way, we didn't see that video. He sold the record, 11 million was it? $11.6 million. He broke the record for NFTs. One day. One day. Now, what did now, he do? I mean, in some sense, that sounds a little potentially biased, right? Yeah, he's going to be selling yeah. more of these, right? But and he's also the guy who's talking about having uh, a a house menagerie style of of digital art collections on his walls, and I'm like, wow. I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing something, but that that actually in I some sense kind of sounds interesting, you know, 100%. like digital artwork. I would love digital artwork that you could plug in, that you connect to it, and could just move the piece around that you have it on your I could see that happening. Yeah. I and your certificate. Code. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no certificate. There's a QR code. You could go with your phone, scan it, and be like, oh, yeah, that is that belongs to you. That is verifiable on the blockchain. Wait, 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 wait. That's interesting. What you're saying is, like, you could come into my, you know. Grotto. Man cave. Hallway or whatever, right? And then, like, here, ah, oh, that's my you know, Blau from 2021, you know, here's, you know, Boomer, whatever. <laughs> ah, that's my Blau from 2021. And, and somebody, oh, that's so cool. They could QR code and go, oh, damn, you actually did buy that in 2020. That's what you're saying. Yes. That's pretty cool. That that I like. Yeah. I, I haven't found any other use for QR codes. <laughs> like, <laughs> restaurant menus. <laughs> restaurant menus. Really? Wait, yeah. is this a Vegas thing? No, everywhere. What? Every table you ever go to throughout, well, I guess just LA and Vegas that I've been to. But yeah, you get to the table, there's a QR code, you it scan it on your phone, the menu comes up. Kevin Where never makes out of the studio. Kevin has a lot I have not here. left. Have you seen how many videos I do? Yes, that's amazing. Here's right. an honest question for you. What are you going to do when everything opens back up again? Are you going to keep the same schedule or are you just like permanently like locked in? Like we could just... Bore, you know, close, close your door shut. 
drill it closed, you'll be just fine. <laughs> you know what I would love to do, and, and I, I don't know what will happen, but what I would love to do is, you know, let's say the pandemic's over, people are vaccinated or it's over or whatever. I would love to, to just be able to do the same style of videos I do, but from wherever the F I want to be. So if I'm in freaking Mallorca or I'm in Paris or I'm in Germany and, and, you know, I'm on the beach or I'm in a forest, I don't care. I just, I'll just whip out my phone and go, guys, can you believe what Jerome Powell just said, <laughs> you know, and, and then go back to doing whatever I'm doing. Like I, that would just be That'd amazing. Be cool. I would love to fortify yourself. you got that giant door. <laughs> Yeah, that that is the downside of filming outside versus the benefit of filming in here. Every single morning I come in here and it's just everything is perfect. I you know, it takes me 30 seconds and I'm up and running. Uh because it's all the same. You film outside, the freaking garbage truck, the lawnmowers, the airplane, it sucks. Hey, who who cleans that room, Kevin? You clean it or or you have somebody professionally clean it because that must get dirty. You're in there 24 seven, man. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a, there's a tile floor and there's like one little rug. So it takes like 10 seconds to vacuum. Uh, and then every so often I actually do come in here. Uh, glass sprayer is my addiction. Yeah. Uh, not not like, you know, not like that kind of addiction. <laughs> uh, but no, I just like I love coming in. I hate dust. So I got like a big freaking filter, but you know, every so often I just spray everything, like maybe once every couple months. And uh, I, I, I just like, if it's dust free, it's good. Usually most of the cleanup is generally turning stuff off and like bringing out the four coffee cups that are on the table. For the day. Do you have a coffee maker in there or no? No, no. Like uh, even while we we're filming here, Lauren stuck me, uh, snuck me this in. So oh, usually wow. like, I really feel like, uh, what is it? Cartman from, um, South Park. Uh, from uh, South Park. Mom! The curvy man, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Does she uh, sneak you sneak you food when you're you're hungry too? Or how how's that work? Usually I go out uh, for coffee and it's fun too, because one of the reasons I love having the, the uh, kids here and the double doors is when I go out there, I could just fight with the kids or wrestle with the kids or whatever. Uh so so that's uh that's pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, you know it, it changes the pace. And then, you know, I can play for 15, 20 minutes and come back. Because if you just sit and stare at the monitor all day long, like at some point your eyes cross and you can't even process what you want to talk about anymore. I don't know. Don't you guys ever feel that way? You guys playing videos. I mean, Jeremy, you're cranking out like twice as many videos as you used to. <laughs> yeah, but mine are real easy, man. Just record on Loom, hit the record button and just talk about something. So it's it, not that hard. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, the Loom stuff is uh, it's really like easy. And I know you don't use Loom, but you use another service. And I got to say, man, that it is nice, like not having to prep like a bunch of slides. Cause like the prep time for my usual videos that I put on like the main channel or second channel, I mean, the prep time for that is like two, three hours, which I know is nothing compared to like Andre or Graham. But like oh for me, God, like, yeah. yeah, like two to three hours is like a lot of prep, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I love just being able to record, but Andre, Graham, like what, what type of time are we talking about with your guys' videos for preps, records? Wow. I don't think people even know. It's yeah. I'm not as talented as Kevin. Yeah. I don't know about that, man. I just like off the cuff banter about everything and anything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I research a lot and I, I like three to six hours minimum, like to just yep. get my thoughts together about figuring out what the topic is, what people are interested in, 
Jeremy looks like he's wearing a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's the funniest comment. <laughs> oh, I need to go this way. Oh, please. Right in the center. <laughs> Stay right there, please. Hey, it gets hot. It gets hot in Arizona, man. It's probably already eighty today or eighty-five. So I gotta stay cool. Can we put that in a thumbnail? <laughs> you know, really, I noticed a lot of comments. People want us to talk about GameStop. Oh, gosh, GameStop. Where do we go? Yeah. <laughs> Evan, why is going up? I, I've honestly, I've not been following it for the last, like, two weeks. You know, it's it's short interest keeps plummeting, so you do have people just closing out their shorts because they realize they can't keep up with this. So, you know, you've gone from 130% to 50% to 37%. Now it's at, like, 25%. Uh, and it, there's going to become a point where – hedgies look at GameStop and they're like, I can't F and short this thing. Uh, it, and at that point, I, I think the, you know, GameStop's it's going to come back down at some point here. You know I mean? Right now it, it could still have run in it as the shorts sell out. And in the meantime, Hey, grab all the attendees you can. But you know, if I were, if I were in it heavy or if I had life changing money in it, I, I'd, I wouldn't tell anyone and I'd take some profits. <laughs> My question for Jeremy or, or Kevin is like, do you guys think this has any future implications on shorting stocks in the future, just beyond GameStop? Is this like a new paradigm that hedge funds are like, all right, we're done over shorting stocks. Is I, there yeah. I kind of hope so. I mean, I've always had disdain towards short sellers. I just think it's like, you know, uh, I just don't like the practice, right? You're, you're root against companies. I feel like a lot of them are dirty and they'll do anything to make a company look bad. Like I feel like short sellers are the type of people that if a company comes out with a new product, they'll go like leave it a one-star review just to like, you know, trash it in any way possible and like put out negativity around it, right? So I don't know, um, but I wouldn't mind it if short selling became way less popular. But I understand like the argument of like, well, short selling, it's like good because you don't want the market to get overvalued. But I don't really think that's the thing. I think at the end of the day, like if a bunch of people want to buy stocks at whatever valuation, they're going to do it. I don't think it matters whether people are short selling them. So I don't know. I, I hope it does cut down short selling. It, I just don't like it, it, man. possible for a stock to limit how much a stock could be shorted? So it's impossible to short more than 100%. Is that doable? Uh, I don't know the specific parameters around that. Um, I mean, I've never even seen over like a 30% uh, or 40% of a stock, but this, this GameStop situation was something like 100% or more than 100%. 100 yeah, 100 I, I've, never seen, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So I, you know, I didn't even know that was such a thing until literally this happened. I mean, usually like if you get 30 to 40% of the shares shorted, that's crazy massive just for like context. That's like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You guys know, statistically speaking are, are more short sellers. Do they tend to be retail or do they tend to be hedge funds? Is there, is there a way to check that? Funds usually, um, not to say, you know, yeah, not to say retail folks won't do it, but usually it's funds. Um, if, if retail investors sometimes are, are negative on a stock, like I have a friend who actually just um, did some naked calls uh, sold some naked calls. I know it's a funny name. Sold some naked calls for uh, GameStop at $800 strike, he said. Um, and it expires this summer at some point. And I think he's getting $31 a premium per contract or oh some insane God. number. So 
he is looking great as long as GameStop doesn't go to eight hundred dollars plus by the summer. If it does, then then you know he's going to be out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, what I can say is I, I hate uh, and I despise when you have these companies, especially these lawyer companies that come out and they basically crap on a company. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be legit. Like it could just be a bunch of rumor mills they stitch together and they short sell, attack these companies, file a lawsuit. Then they put out a press statement on like the PR newswires or whatever, where anybody can publish something. And it's, you know, so uh, such and such company files lawsuit against this for fraud. It's always like yeah. fraud. Right? It's always fraud. And, and the stock like plummets, you know, the same day that stock, because they always release these reports at like 9 or 10 a.m., uh, you know, the stock plummets. You know, these people are dumping their shorts and rebuying those positions same day. And they're grabbing like these 30% uh, like profits instantly on putting these these short attacks together. That I think is uh, is is pretty uh, pretty bad. <laughs> you know that that I think is is very manipulative. But that goes on, and I suppose anybody could say anything bad about a stock. So wow. then you get into like, freedom of speech and stuff. The whole like 130%. I mean, look, if if I go to you, Graham, and and, and uh, I say, hey man, look, I know you own a share of GameStop. Can I can I borrow it from you? I'll pay you interest on it, seven percent or whatever, right? I take it, uh, you know, and, and, and sell it. I mean, in, in theory, whoever, let's say, I sell that to, to Jeremy, and, and then he goes, "Hey, now I'm going to turn around and, and, and sell this to uh, uh, to Andre," and we just have like multiple people now shorting, and it. it's technically the same share that's going through this loop. I mean, yeah, maybe that's how it gets to over a hundred percent. It's just the same share is circulating through mm -hmm. through borrowed hands multiple times. I don't know how different that is than a bunch of people just taking out a bunch of margin. So I'm saying in the future, is that change anything? Like, does this GameStop situation teach us like what to watch out for in the future? Do we just look for low float, overly shorted stocks to find the next one? I think that's almost going to be like the market self-regulating. I think almost mm -hmm. what's going to happen is now you've got this army of people who are like, just tell me which companies are the most short and I'm going to buy those. And they're going to try to create these squeezes like the rocket right. mortgage that we right. saw, right? And, and they're going to be at these, these almost short attacks. And I almost think the best thing the government can do is nothing. Just get the yeah. F out of the market and let the market handle it. This was the biggest wake-up call to short sellers to don't F around with people because now, hello, what are people going to do after GameStop? They're just purposely going to look for high short companies to buy. Right. I have, so many, I have so many stories I could tell you guys on dirty short sellers. Oh, my gosh. You know, I've been fighting these people for so many years. But one of the, one of the, the, the silliest ones I ever saw was uh, this company I've been invested in on and off for many, many years named Cirrus Logic. Uh, cruzy doozy ticker symbol crus right they get like 80 percent of their revenue from apple right and so like they're super dependent on apple and many many years ago a short seller uh you know like glassdoor indeed those websites where like you know if you work for a company you can like um you know post your reviews or whatever at that time they had like an anonymous feature where you could like act like you were an employee of the company and like you know say whatever you want like even if it was bad i don't know if they still have that feature but basically what this one short seller did is they said, yeah, you know, they, they just trash a company. And then they said, yeah, it's a shame. We lost. We're going to lose Apple as a customer starting next year. And then they started posting that all over the place mm. as like this was like some sort of actual thing. It freaked, obviously, people out. They're like, wait a minute. And a 
an employee over here and this company gets 80% of their revenues from this company. And it definitely freaks a lot of retail investors out. I don't think the big guys get as little as scared, but the little guys, you know, see something like that and they're like, oh my gosh, this company's done if that's true, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, man, they, they are so dirty. They'll, they'll go so far with it. I don't even think people really like realize Sometimes how deep it goes. Worth it to buy on that. I remember for me, it was end phase. When I saw that big thing it was, yeah. uh, on fraud and it dropped like 50%, I bought in a huge chunk of Enphase. I think it was like 35 or 40 bucks a share, a huge yeah. chunk. And it was actually, I passed it by Kevin. I'm like, dude, Kevin, what do you think of this? Doesn't seem legit. And Kevin looked through it. It's like, yeah, it's probably not. And you even found like a previous report from the same people who said the same thing like a few years ago, turned out to be false. Same thing happened and the stock price went up. So it's almost like you could find these things and then trade them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> manipulation it's almost, it's almost like the big boy version of the penny stocking newsletters it's like yeah. oh short this stock and you're like okay <laughs> penny stocks that's a, one thing i see uh a lot of like these random pharmaceutical companies like yes. have you ever seen those like oh it might get fda approval and and you see these stocks that are like literally five cents and they go to like a dollar and, but it's just it, oftentimes it's like super short lived, you know, it's like, I don't know. Some of these, I feel like they don't even have a hope of, of trans blossoming into like a real company or it's not even like a real industry. Some of these fantastical uh, pharmaceuticals. I don't know. What's your take on some of these things? I've I, I played with penny stocks when I first started investing. And I remember at the time not having enough money to have access to level two software. And I couldn't get around the PDT rule, the $25,000 yeah. minimum. So I'm like, I got slaughtered because of the 15 minute lag times and charts. So uh, I would see my stock prices go up and I'm like, great, I'll sell it now. And by the time I'm selling it, it's already down 90%. Mm -hmm. So unless you're like plugged into this stuff by the second and you're watching that chart uptick and there's, you have no chance. I did the same thing. That's really funny. I, th I feel like everybody went through that. I think when I was like 15, 14, I signed up using my dad's name on Scott trade. Remember yeah. that Scott trade way back yes. in the day? And I, I think commission, commissions were $8 per trade. Yep. And I put like two grand of all, basically all my money that I, that I had for working part-time, put it in Scott trade. I went on the penny stock forums and would just trade on what their recommendations were. And uh, I remember I would, I would buy like a few hundred bucks at a time, but it would be $8 in, eight bucks out. And then once I sold, I'd have to keep the money in there for a few days before I made the next trade. And I lost, I, I doubled it out of luck. And then I lost within like a month later. And I think I, I, I took it for four grand down to like 500 bucks. But yeah. I had a lot of fun doing that. I did, I did buy those um, courses though from, uh, you did videos with him. Uh, Tim Sykes. Yeah. I yeah. did the same thing. I signed up for Timothy Sykes newsletter. Because <laughs> I remember his, his student, Timothy something else, Tim Gritani, I think. And he was like his millionaire student. And I was like, oh, I'd love to be a millionaire student. Yeah. And so I watched the entire course. I think I was cross-eyed by the end of it. <laughs> like I didn't understand a single thing because he's just like talking about these charts and like tea leaves. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on? I didn't learn a single thing. That was a very valuable lesson I learned. And it only cost me $2,000. So I'm glad it didn't cost me more. Same. Oh, I think I think two thousand bucks is the right amount. I think that's better than any education you could get for to school. Just yeah. lose two grand uh, trading penny stocks. Yeah, <laughs> and have a great time too.
That's true. Gosh. Wow. So, I mean, do you think there's this possibility that with these options, which maybe is the modern day penny stock or even penny stocks or, uh, you know, some of these risky bets that people are making short term options, whatever. Uh, is it possible that there's going to be this large cohort cohort of people who end up getting discouraged and they just they end up, you know, they double, they double, they double, but they keep making the big bets until one day they just like go back to zero. Right. Uh, and is it possible that we're just going to lose a bunch of people uh, in the investing world? And, and maybe after this whole pandemic's done, we don't end up with as many investors as we used to have. Right. And we then already, we just see the velocity of money go up. Yeah, we, we, are, we already lost a bunch. Um, you know, I, I've seen it with my views and I track everybody that has direct stock market channels and no one's getting the same views. They were getting like three or four weeks ago. Like it happened yeah. quick, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I already noticed it. Like I'm having trouble hitting like a hundred thousand views on the main channel right now. Um, and then I'm looking at like everybody that was like blowing up as far as like the penny stock guys, all their views have dropped dramatically very recently. Uh, so the whole space, like it's, it's crazy how fast it happened. It was like three, four weeks. Do you think Jeremy that that's, that's a stock market thing or do you think that's just YouTube being cyclical and it's just like, you know, audiences going in and out of the platform. Cause I've noticed a little bit too on my channel, but I thought maybe it's cause, cause I made an NFT video. It didn't do as anywhere near as well as I thought it might. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, maybe people are just not interested in that stuff or they don't know what that is. And so, do you think it is really the stock market, people rotating out of it? Or do you think it's just maybe a YouTube platform type of thing? I, I think it's definitely stock market related because you had so many people still coming in December, January, February. And then as soon as like, imagine, you know, put yourself in their shoes. This is their first time they're getting in the market. They just invest in something. They just buy two Tesla shares at $800. And immediately Tesla goes from 800 to 600, 550. And, you know, you don't have the, the wherewithal to like understand, oh, the, you know, I should buy the dip or maybe you can't buy the dip. You get freaked out and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I get out of this. And when it happens stock after stock, it just, you know, not everybody's like trained, like buy the dip. You know, I know we always talk about that, but not everybody's trained that way. And uh, people just think, oh, I guess the stock market's a scam. I just lost 300 bucks I could have to my name or a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks. And, um, you know, and what this, means, right? this means we I said, you know what this means? This means that we need to have more diamond hand memes to spread around to people. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of with I. I'm kind of side with both of you on this. I feel like it's maybe 50-50 between YouTube and and the stock market. I've noticed the exact same thing. And and my my thinking is that anytime something happens in the markets and the stock market goes down or there's anything newsworthy, the first thing people do is they go to YouTube. Yes. And I see what people are saying about it. I think when everything is relatively okay, everything's relatively stable, you know, plus or minus a few percent, it's not going to be the end of the world. No. But either we see 10% drops and everyone goes to YouTube or everything is fine and people just don't have that same level of urgency like they would if the, if the market is dropping. Although Kevin, your channel's still like at a steady 30 million views a month. <laughs> You're like insulated from all of that. Well, uh, yeah, but your that's only- videos, Kevin, are still doing well. Yeah. I, 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 it's probably only because I'm uh, I, I'm uh, making twice the amount of views now, or content now. <laughs> so it's like, oh, oh, maybe it used to be 30 million views with three videos a day. Oh. Now it might be 30 million views with six videos yeah, a day. <laughs> so you're, you're actually making double amount of content. Kevin's posting so. five videos a day. Yeah. Wasn't it always five a day? Not always. No, I, I you See, know, and certainly the um, the streams, 
right? Like uh, the streams, I feel like uh, they, they pay like a fraction of what the others do, uh, like a published video. But uh, I really enjoy them. And uh, because there's there's really no tail to them, right? Like this kind of this live stream here, this will still be relevant in in six days, right? But if I'm like, let's see what the market opens, <laughs> you know? I woke up this morning six a.m. and I'm seeing Kevin started live stream thirty minutes ago, and I'm like, <laughs> do you watch what? Do you watch it too? I I was telling Kevin yeah. earlier. The first thing I do when I wake up is I get my coffee, I sit down. I read what's going on, on the internet and I listen to Kevin in the background. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. A, a good I example. Really a good example is so Kevin, you did the, um, the, the 10 X penny stock alert, uh, CEO G tech, right? That interview that's at 112,000 views, uh, streamed two days ago or whatever. I feel like four or five weeks ago, that's at 150,000 views, 200,000 views, a video like that. But I feel like right now people are like, oh, 10 X stock scam. I lost money in the stock market. It's just, it's a cert, you know, it's like that, that, you know, extra 10,000, 30,000, 50,000 folks that maybe right now are just like sour on the market or, you know, that are newer to the market. So, mm. but it, it's unfortunate because, you know, the best time to buy is when everything's dipping and, and then, you know, some folks that get out and it's like, oh my gosh, man, but it happens. Yeah. WWKD, WWKD. What's that? What would Kevin do? Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, no. That's what he would do. Did you guys see me spill beer on myself last Friday during the live stream? No. I, it got like the market got so bad that Lauren brought me a beer while I was drinking coffee. <laughs> And because Lauren just got it out of like the refrigerator drawer or whatever, uh, when after I take a sip, I, like I take a sip and then I put it down on the table like this and it must have just been riled up or whatever. And the thing starts volcanoing into my lap in the middle of the live stream. I'm like, what is happening? At the same time, like everything's down 10%. It's like, don't worry. We're fine. <laughs> I'm just worried about your margin calls, man. 50%. That's terrifying right now to me. It's, it's oh, yeah. now, right? Like I'll, I'll run it again right now and, and we'll see what we have. See, the, another thing that I do, which is probably toxic, but uh, one of the ways that I can keep my margin lower in, in an ironic way is buying the dip. Because when I buy the dip, I, I am putting more collateral in. Right. Uh, so, but you know, if that collateral goes down in value, it's it's less valuable in cash. So it's it's a little uh, dicey. <laughs> what well, Kevin? Uh, okay, hypothetically, if Tesla was to go to two hundred dollars over the next three months, what happens? Well, what are you looking at? Uh yeah. Okay. So if Tesla goes, uh gosh, if Tesla went to like two hundred dollars. I would probably have to figure out how to come up with around three mil. That'd be but a problem. Kevin, you would you would probably be able to make that. I think as the price drops, not only would you be buying in, but you would also double down on the content. Uh, oh, you would yeah, probably I would just take that money. I'd be posting videos like at we'll have an 8 p.m. video, then we'll have the 11 p.m. video, then we'll have the 2 a.m. video. It's like, folks, we are going 24 7. Let's go. <laughs> I'm so confident that you would never get a margin call. The, the only way I think that could happen is if there's a flash crash where if just one day just the market drops 50% and you don't have enough time to respond. I think the best case scenario is it like if it's going to go down, 
it's a gradual decline. You're buying in more, you're building up cash. That's the best case scenario if it were to go down. Yeah, and they say, uh, and and who knows, you know, they sell because they're just salespeople ultimately at the banks. But they say if you get a margin call, they'll give you, you know, two or three days to like wire money over, liquidate or whatever. But, you know, we saw what happened at Robinhood. Some people just got liquid, straight yeah. up liquidated. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, but that's yeah. Robin. You're with, I, I feel like with JP Morgan, <laughs> with, with any like big established brokerage, yeah. with, with an account within the millions, it's courtesy to give a few days. I don't think they would ever lose a relationship, close out positions, be like, ah, no, sorry, you didn't come up with the money. I think at that level, they're less worried and, th and they could absorb the hit. But sure. it was the majority of your, uh, is it with, with JP Morgan or is it, cause you said it was spread around. It was spread throughout other brokerages and fintechs too. Uh, it is, it is. Yeah. Um, there's a chunk with see, so market value right now I'm at 12, five with chase. I'm just adding them together. Five, two with Weeble. Uh, and then I got money at M1 Finance and Robinhood. So I'm, I'm I can to see Weeble, Robinhood, and M1 getting a, like a flash calling you. Yeah, I can see them doing yeah. What Would you guys invest in the Robinhood IPO when it, when it happens? Mm, I yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Pre-IPO or like at IPO? Uh, at IPO. No, probably not. But if I could get pre-IPO. I don't know. I heard they're going to be IPOing at around like sixty billion dollars. Oh, probably more than that. Wow. But here's the thing: if Robinhood IPOs, let's just say they let's just say they open at sixty and immediately now they're trading at ninety, mm -hmm. I feel like that's going to be a signal to every other brokerage out there that they got to IPO as soon as possible. True. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bubble in fintech actually right now. Um, there's a lot of disruption and I feel like there's really bubbly in that entire space, you know, because everybody that is in that space, it's all about users right now, users, users. And then hopefully we'll make a bunch of money from these folks over time, but we got these massive valuations and no one's even asking the question, are these companies really going to be successful making a ton of money off their customers over time to justify these valuations? You know, I think Jeremy's onto something because even though I don't think that necessarily in bubble territory, a lot of them are tied to Bitcoin, PayPal, Square. So that's kind of my reservations with investing in those companies because I'm so exposed to Bitcoin. I feel like, I mean, if you saw how Bitcoin dropped, Square, PayPal, their stocks tanked just because they have so much money in Bitcoin. So I agree with you. It, it is a little bit inflated. If anything, it's attached to all, an already volatile asset. So once Bitcoin falls, probably sometime in September, as it always does, 18 months after the halvening, which is when we usually peak. So that's going to be September this year. That's when you're going to see a lot of these fintechs fall if Bitcoin repeats history. Wait, why would fit? Wait, I, I'm lost. Why would fintechs fall if Bitcoin falls? Because a lot of them have exposure to Bitcoin. How many have exposure to Bitcoin? I think that's the minority. I think very few fintechs have exposure to Bitcoin. I don't know right. off the top of my head. <laughs> that no, I mean I'm gonna just really quick jump in. So I, I got the numbers. So I'm right now, today's numbers, 43.4% margin. And if I paid down with my sort of glass breaks, I'd be paid down to about 35%. Okay. That's yeah. still terrifying. Well, I mean <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> 
I got I got a great place where we can do an ad break right now. Meet Kevin. Tell us how much you were up today in your portfolio. Wait, we want to know how much you were down on Friday and then how much you're up today. Uh, well, last week things were uh, – I generally don't look. There were some days I didn't look. Uh, some days, you know, you would just see it. It's whatever. You're transferring money or whatever. There, there were a lot of minus one days, you know, uh, and, and those uh, that's just in JP. Uh, today, for example – JP Morgan looks a lot more beautiful, but it, you know, it doesn't mean much given the the down arrows we've had. And it's still obviously down from, from where it's been at higher levels, but I'll pull it up. Uh, you know, this is, this is the up for today. Let's see. How can I do this? Uh, I'll show you here. I push this button. Come on, Kevin, you know, you gotta be up a hundred percent. If you lost 50%, you see that? Yeah. Oh, six mil. No way! No, 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 no. That's that's the total in that account. The oh, top number. Sorry, geez. sorry. <laughs> that's still an epic number, though. 1. I know 5. that'd be really cool. One five. Oh, I that was a six point six. That'd be sick. That'd be a day. Very nice. And that's that's your that's your big dog right there, J.P. Morgan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, we'll we'll see where the market goes. But yeah, I mean the the last uh, the last little run has been a little crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and, but Andre, you're, you're buying stocks actively right now and individual stocks are just like index funds. Uh, index. I'm, I'm, I just bought a ton of VTI and I'm going to continue doing it every week. Probably put in 20 grand a week. Okay. Have yeah. you guys heard of, have you heard of the Voyager app, Andre? Mm -hmm. I, that just sounds familiar. Okay. So it's like a crypto exchange. I've been looking into the company. I shouldn't even probably be talking about this because now the stock might shoot up, but I've been looking into that stock recently and uh, it seems interesting. That's all I'll say about it. I just didn't know if you had ever heard of it before, but there, uh, there's a lot of these crypto uh, brokerage apps. Uh, there's like three of them right now that are growing exponentially. I'm talking about some of these are growing hundreds of percent, if not a thousand percent per month. Yeah. That one mm -hmm. per month right now. And so, wait, Kevin, you didn't you speak to their CEO or no? Am I thinking about a different company? Yes. Great guy. Okay. Really great guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Super what did, bullish. What did you tell us more. <laughs> what what I, I, did you learn from that, Kevin? It's very impressive. The whole, you know, uh, I, I didn't go very deep on their f financials. I had their financials up when I was talking to them. But, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's worth a deep dive. Uh, you know, I, I guess it depends. Like I, I asked myself, how much do I want to be exposed to the Bitcoin space? Right. Uh, or, or the crypto space, because it's like, I can put, take my cash and buy stocks in the Bitcoin or the crypto companies. I can, uh, I, I can also buy the coins themselves, but then it's like, how heavily am I exposed over here? Is that good or is it bad? I mean, in Andre's case, I don't know. Andre, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's a good um, way to diversify in the crypto space to buy the brokerages, which is why I want to buy them, because I feel like I'm so heavy into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I, I love the crypto space. I, I think we're going to increase a lot from here, but I don't want to have everything in Bitcoin. I want to diversify a little bit. So I think I'm going to transfer. If you, I'll do some research on this company, but I don't want to have everything in BlockFi. So I really do need to spread things around, even though I'm sure they'll do great. I love BlockFi. Coupon yeah. code. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Coach yeah. Brian, he, he was telling me like um, to put money in VGX, which is like uh, basically their coin uh, for Voyager. And you get like, I think it's five and a half or six percent. He's made some crazy money on that. And then the USDC on there pays you like nine percent. Yeah, that's standard. USDC is really sought after. Yeah, USDC is so liquid. It's it's basically the dollar. It's basically like Tether, but better. <laughs> Wow, that's insane. I'm like, why not just keep, let's say, 100K over there at 9%? That's, that's what insane. I'm doing. I Is mean, okay. I used to. I used to have it all in stable coins, and my interest was paid out in stable coins. And then I was like, gosh, I would rather get interest in Bitcoin because that has so much more, you know, appreciation. So, Blau does. I asked Blau the same thing. What's to stop you from putting 500 grand? He's like, yeah, exactly. Right. So. It makes no sense to hold it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's so, awesome. uh, you know, the little bit of digging I got to do on that Voyager, they're, they're growing exponentially, but then they're only like a $2 billion company. And then when you hear things like Robinhood trading at like, you know, 60 billion or one, whatever, you know, it's like, okay, man, maybe this can go to 10 billion or 20 billion over time. By the way, do some research on Binance. Are you guys familiar with that exchange as well? Yeah, um, they, they, I believe they pay out, pay out an annualized something like 12% interest. I've heard I some thought. sketchy things though on Binance. Didn't they have like a few hacks? They've always had some like cloudiness surrounding them, but I mean, um, I don't know. They would exactly. not be around today if, if they were. Say again. I don't know if that's worth a few percent for me. I had one bad experience with Binance back when I was, I, th I think it was when I was buying uh, Ryblox back when it was like, or right. back when it was Ryblox. Yeah, I tend to stick with US companies too. Like that's preferable, even losing a couple percent. Mm -hmm. hmm. What, uh, yeah, because I mean, I mean, it, it, it comes with the risk of maybe the illiquidity at these companies because the danger is if, uh, you know, uh, these cryptos crash, then uh, maybe they have defaults on the lending that they're doing and it collapses basically the the guarantee capability of this company then people start trying to cash in their stable coins which maybe they've now lent out that cash they're not actually keeping all of that cash even though their stable coin is technically redeemable for one dollar now in the crash like a real crash that stable coin technically is worth a dollar but people are like i don't care just give me 80 cents i need the money and yeah. then the value of that stable coin actually falls relative to where it should be stable because the cash isn't available and the company either goes bankrupt or people take a big loss on these coins yeah, that, when they need it that's a valid, that's a valid huh? yeah that's a really valid concern i guess it depends on the funding of that company because i know blockfi is extremely heavily funded um, but I didn't do research on other companies. So I guess I you just, just worry uh, though, because BlockFi says they're over collateralized, right? They say that, but what, what okay. What does that mean? Right? Like, uh, you know, if they have a hundred million dollars, let's just say as an example, a hundred million dollars in cash. Oh, but wait a minute, $80 million of that is lent out and it's lent out down like three different chains. You know, the, that money's been lent out multiple different times. Uh, I mean, the amount of losses that that could uh, th that could appear because of that, because now let's say somebody's got somebody puts one hundred thousand dollars of cash in their account, but then they use margin to buy two hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. Or in that other example, the twenty four X on Dogecoin. I mean, one loser could could literally be negative five hundred grand on a hundred K investment. Right. Like, 
that's that's not over collateralized anymore for the company because they uh, they enabled this insane leverage. So even if they're only lending out say 80 mil, but they're lending it out at you know two times portfolio, and then there's a big sell off, that over collateralized evaporates in you know in a snap. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 will be 2020 for sure. That's why maybe it's more prudent to diversify your holdings and not just one company. Or maybe just keep it on a cold storage wallet and don't play with the interest. But I, I'm taking the risk for sure. It's definitely calculated risk. Are you having? Do you have anything in cold storage? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I used to have all of it, and I was like, "There's just too much money just sitting there collecting dust." Yeah, I mean that's that's something that I've looked at. I'm like, I'm just nervous. I could I would like lose it, <laughs> but right. You just invest what you're willing to lose. That that's what I've gone into it with. Like, if, if someone take if something happens, I I run that risk. But the, my problem is, I'm not willing to lose the money I invest. Like, I don't. I I take all my money and invest it. <laughs> you know, and I'm not willing to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> I got nothing to say. <laughs> What's going on with Dave Ramsey? I heard he was buying an NFT. He was he was starting to buy those heavy. Is that true? Dave no. Ramsey. Where did you I'm see it? <laughs> <Just No. laughs> Could you imagine that? All right. I'm leaving. If Dave, yeah. Ramsey <laughs> Dave Ramsey says no longer cash, margin on stocks. That's when you get out of the market. <laughs> I mean, Oh, Let me yeah. ask you guys, what do you think about that? You're uh, like, you know, there are a lot of people that are all cash, you know, just no debt, sure. no car loan. I mean, I'm all in for support of no car loan, no credit card debt. That's fine for vast majority of people. I think that's really good financial advice, you know, paying off the house. You know, I mean, I know, Andre, if, if you weren't in the situation, you'd have a mortgage on it. We'd all have mortgages on these things. Are we nuts? Like, why, why are we so okay with debt? Why are we so desensitized? I don't know. Part of me fantasizes all the time of, of paying off the mortgages and just moving the money from the savings account and just knocking them all out. And then just being, you know what? It's simple. And I, I part of me kind of just, there, there is a peace of mind that you get by not having debt, by not having payment, no matter what happens, it's all profit. I would say back when I was really trying to like grow my net worth, like I really looked at like every dollar so carefully. And I'm like, well, if I invested over here and I pay this, I could make a hundred dollars a month. And I'd say, as you start making more money, that hundred bucks a month is like, is that really worth the, the mental space? And I would say, honestly, like if I got a hundred million bucks overnight, the first thing I do is pay off all the debt just because it, it, it's not worth the mental space to save the money. Now, if I were just starting out, it would be worth it to me to, to leverage as much as possible and, and pay attention to the nickel and dimes. But like the car, the four, the four GT had this been a few years ago, I would have gotten a loan on the car for like 3%. Right. It made sense for me just buy the car outright, not have a mortgage, not a, <laughs> have a mortgage on the guy. Jeez. It would be equivalent to a mortgage. Basically I'm not mortgaging the car. It's just I didn't want to deal with it. So I think there is something to be said that uh, as I'm getting older, there is a peace of mind that comes to having things paid off that that I did not appreciate when I was younger. I was just going to say that it just depends on your income and it depends on your age. But like I was actually going to shoot one back to you, Kevin and Graham. If you had bought a house in cash, theoretically, 
uh, would you get a cash out refi or would you keep it just paid off? I did the, I did that. I bought the first three places I bought cash and I never refinanced them because it just, it wasn't worth it to me to go through the hassle of a refinance. Not it even spending money on property taxes due to high income. I mean, that's going to, it's not worth, I mean, the, the, these places are worth like 250 to two, well, 280. So it's, it's not worth to go through the hassle for, for that. If it were worth 2 million, I would have done it. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, I think part of that is because I think you bought these for under a hundred grand, which yeah. is actually, it's very difficult to finance them when they're under a hundred. And even if they're a little bit over a hundred, I mean, you're probably having to find like a community lender or something like that, huh? Graham. Yeah. Um, well, no, they went up. So I bought the first one at like 60. So basically after they're all fixed up, they were all worth over a hundred, but even okay, like, they've kind of topped out over the last few years. I mean, even like four years ago, I feel like they kind of reached where they should have been. Even then I was not refinancing. I just, what's the point? I would rather, if I'm only allowed so much of a mortgage, I would rather use the mortgage somewhere else where I felt like there was more upside. I, I, I can see that. Yeah, the uh, for me, if I bought a property cash, yeah, I, I would refinance it, especially if I was living in it because I could, as a homeowner, you take advantage of the dirt cheapest of rates and the best possible terms. I mean, it, there's no way I would not finance the property I'm living in. Do you uh, to me, that would always be the case. But uh, like, I'd rather pay off a rental property because you're always going to have the cheapest loan on your house. But And then you could have a big fat credit line on your house. Maybe you could do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, trying to think here, if I if I didn't mortgage these things, I certainly wouldn't have had the growth that I've had because I wouldn't have been able to own as many properties. But there is a peace of mind to not having debt at all, not having that payment. I mean, honestly, like if I didn't have any margin, I'd just be laughing about these dips and just buying more, right? Uh, but uh, when you have margin, you do get to those moments when the market is falling where you're like, I should be buying more right now. But you feel like you're almost grounded. Like a, like a kid who's grounded, like I can't go out and play because you have margin, you know? I, I don't know, it's, it's a tough balance. By the way, Kevin, futures just went down um, 2% almost instantaneously. What? I'm just kidding, but they are down. They're down 0.3%. I was waiting for you to be like, no, they aren't. I'm looking at them right now, actually. <laughs> you think I'm looking at the you think I'm looking at the camera, but I'm actually looking at futures as we talk. This how, much, how much have been like, you see Elon Musk just left Tesla. He just quit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Worst thing uh, fool's jokes on the camera. LiDAR was right. I quit. <laughs> 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 hey, but but Andre, I, I feel like there's no reason to uh, in, unless you have somewhere you want to put the money. I feel like there's no reason to take it back out. But if you have plans for the money, you want to invest in either stocks or cryptos or whatever. I think it makes. Yeah, sense. I, I don't know what's more valuable: staying liquid or having it tied into real estate. Now, I just I don't know. Real estate seems like a slower mover, and having the opportunity money to invest it into something else, I don't know what's if it's worth the trade off or not. I don't but. Know. My yeah. thinking, if it's if it's over five hundred grand or six hundred, it's probably worth it to refinance. Under that, in relation to your income, it's probably worth it just keep it paid off. But I'd say over five, refinance it. It makes sense. Rates are so low right now; just lock it in. And if you need to pay it off in the future, you could. That's a good point. And it's nice too. I mean, although, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
refinance now from cash, have a have a low payment. Let's say it goes up in value. You don't have to refinance it again. Like I feel like a mistake that a lot of people do is just regularly refinance, refinance, refinance every opportunity they get. And it almost becomes their income stream. And that's really bad because like if then you're relying on these refinances, the market stops going up, the refinances stop, the money dries up. Now you're over leveraged. Then the market crashes. That, that becomes a problem. Like I think my debt load on my real estate is like 59% or something like that. So even if the market fell, there's, there's equity in there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things that really helped me a lot when the first crash happened here in, in March, the big crash here, that was being able to refinance because I'd never refinanced my first properties. Like I bought them and, and for six years, I just never got a new loan. So then when this crash happened, it was just like refinance everything. And it's like, oh, cool. Here's this extra money. It was like this little piggy bank. Uh, so yeah. I, you know, there is a benefit to having this sort of forced like piggy bank that you can always break if you needed to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, like we're going to get Chamath on this. <laughs> that would be awesome yeah we that should one. i think we could bring on a guest like you know every other week for 30 minutes and just grill him grill him <laughs> gosh put him on the spot just confront them you want vlad vlad right in the middle of the screen <laughs> yeah can we put a fifth person right in the middle <laughs> let's get dfv in here that would be amazing yeah, I, I, would, I would love that. I reached out to him and he didn't get back to me. I'm sure he was just inundated with people who want to chat with him. Yeah, I'm sure. Everyone in the world, like every reporter in the world, has reached out to this guy. Like Fox, CNN, New York Times. You could bet absolutely every single one has reached out to him. <laughs> he sold like what ten million dollars worth. So I, I'm, he's fine. He's doing all right. Oh yeah, his accounts are like forty-five mil or something like that. You know? He doubled down at forty. I can't believe it. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love that. When they asked him, "Would you buy GameStop at 40? He's like, "Yep." Yes. Yeah. I am. I am buying at forty, and now it's at two hundred. I mean, this guy to get lucky, like to get lucky once, but to do it twice, <laughs> yeah, that's just, like. Now, now we're getting into astronomical odds that he was able to recreate the same thing again. He just likes the stock, man. He just likes the stock. He likes the stock, man. <laughs> I like the stock, too. <laughs> we like the stock. <laughs> it's a good stock. Jeez, man. Ay, ay, ay. What do you guys think the market's going to do tomorrow? What, are we screwed tomorrow again? Are we going back in the toilet? I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a slight dip. from. I, I think today everyone saw it just going back up and they just piled in being, Oh, I don't want to miss out on this. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a cooling off period tomorrow. Yeah. How much did you guys put in just like over, over these last few weeks, just like even percentage wise, did you go heavy Hey, you're just average in? I did about 80 grand last week, but it was really spread throughout. Like if I saw something drop a lot, I'd buy in. If it dropped even more, I'd be like, wow, I may as well buy more. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know, twenty thousand a day ish. Okay. Yeah, I did about forty. I did about half a gram. Yeah. I'm about a million. But that was over like three weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean a lot of Corsair, a lot of Tattoo Chef, a lot of Facebook, um, oh. GGTTF, um, and maybe a couple others. What's that? Well, how much did you put into Gigi? 
I think I'm approaching like 400,000 shares, I think. Um, no. Cause yeah, in the main private account, I have 333,333 shares. And then, um, I think I bought 50,000 shares in another account and then some more in another account. So yeah, I'm probably somewhere around getting close to 400,000. But what's, uh, the, what's the ticker on that? GG? GGTTF. GTF. Um, but it's a really small cap. So it's not like I put that much money. A lot of it went into Corsair, Tattooed, and uh, Facebook, which by the way, TTCF reports after the bell tomorrow. So that's going to be an important one for me. If it drops, I'm buying heavy, man. I'm loading the boat if that baby drops. If it drops any good amount. I know we touched on this, but I I just want to double down on the ask. I'm nervous, man. You go into a recovery. People don't want this frozen stuff anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I love frozen food. I used to live on frozen food. That used to be my go-to for lunch because it was cheap. It was the healthy choice meals that you could buy for like $1.29. You buy 10 of them and they become cheaper. And I used to do that. That used to be my lunch. I but like frozen food. There's something normal. special about it. You know, it's something that makes me feel like a kid. Like the whole food? frozen meal. I like that. Is that Whole Foods? Uh yeah. Attitude? No, it's like stuff, right? You can get it at like Walmart. Uh, let me let me pull you something out. Hold on. <laughs> oh, By the way, I wanted to ask you guys for beginners, what do you guys use as proxies for like gauging the market open the next day? Do you guys usually like look at treasuries? Do you guys look at futures? What's like it's a crap shoot. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and then these ones are really good. These Akai bowls. You guys ever had an Akai bowl before? These are delicious. Yeah, yeah Akai bowls are really good. And Pump then- it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody go buy some tattooed. <laughs> okay. He's bullish. Yeah. I don't know. I don't use any metric to see what the market's going to be doing the next day. I really, I find it entertaining, but it really doesn't make any difference. I'm, I'm like, my favorite thing is stupid, but I like guessing what it's going to be when I wake up in the morning. And before I check my phone, I'm like, do I think it's going to be up or down? I'm like, okay, I think it's going to be down. And then I open my phone to see if I'm right. There we are. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Oh Hi, guys. Hey, what's up? I'm I, Robin Hood. I, I thought that was DFV. You should, you should have him get the two free stocks and Weeble. <laughs> Don't forget to get your two free stocks and Weeble. <laughs> Uh, I hope he doesn't watch these videos, man. We we need to really put him right in the middle. Uh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> as soon as you put him up, we we, we jumped up a hundred users there, Kevin. We got to get him back on. <laughs> Is there any way we can just get a fixed screen with just him on there and just see if the views climb up? <laughs> They're grilling Vlad right now. He can't even respond. Just put him in the thumbnail, and like <laughs> that's enough to boost the views. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So, but Jer- Jeremy, you're so okay. So you're not worried about uh, this, this like a you know a sell off or whatever because of the recovery. You're you're just straight bullish. Well, uh, certain companies, I'm certain uh, I'm bullish on. That's the thing. It's not like necessarily the market in general. I think is going to the sky. It's just certain companies. I I never really look at it as like the market is trading here. So I got to buy heavy or the market's trading here. So I got to buy heavy. I'm looking at individual stocks at a, at a given period. And I'm like, this stock is severely undervalued. I need to add. Um, 
and I still have a lot of cash around. So like if this baby drops to, let's say NASDAQ 10,000, like I'm fully ready for that. If Tesla drops to 200, I'm ready for that. <laughs> I'm ready for that. No, hey, in all, in all seriousness. Morgan, right? What's that? I'm sorry. Did you sell JP Morgan to buy these or what? I still have JP Morgan. I don't own as much JP Morgan. What I did a lot with JP Morgan is I sold a good chunk of that to actually go into WBA. So remember, I bought seven figures worth of WBA oh, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in December. And like one of my plays was I got out of some JP Morgan because I just looked at like WBA over the next few years versus JP Morgan. I just like, you know, WBA better. But I still own a lot of JP Morgan. I still like that one. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the stocks I've been buying, I feel like are fairly, I don't want to call them safe plays, but they're more toward the safer side. So like WBA, like when I was buying that, it's like a 4P of 10, which is extremely low, right? Uh, CRSR, Corsair Gaming, 4P of like 20, 22, really low in the gaming and streaming space. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Dropbox, 4P of 18. They just bought a new company called DocSend uh, today, by the way. And, and so like I haven't been really heavy into a lot of those super high growth, super high valuation stocks recently. I'm kind of I'm waiting on those ones. We'll, we'll see what happens here. But, value shopping. Yeah, exactly. Val value shopping. There, there's always there's always certain stocks out there that are deal and sometimes not. But, you know, you know, I have people that are like, dude, you need to be loading up on Tesla as well. And I can understand those arguments. But yeah, Tesla it's a valuation play. I was talking about that with uh, somebody that came over this weekend. He owns a lot of Tesla shares, not nearly as many as you, Kevin, but you know, he was speaking about like, you know, like I'm not bullish enough on Tesla. He's like, you need to be like buying a lot more shares of Tesla. You're not bullish enough. It, you know, you're, you're too bearish. And I'm like, I'm not bearish. Just, I'm holding still 750 shares. It's, you know, but yeah, man. What, what, Kevin, like, like, do you have any net income projections for Tesla over time? And if you do share those with us, please, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think they can, they'll easily net a billion dollars way sooner than we think. Uh, you know, for example, I think if, if, I mean, just look at just cars alone, they're going to get to where they manufacture 5 million cars. And if they get average revenue from each car, including the self-driving stuff uh which i think once they come out with this beta is going to be is going to accelerate a lot of sales because people are going to go holy crap like full self-driving is here we'll see uh there's there's no reason they won't get to five million vehicles whether that's in 2024 or 27 i don't know you know it, it, it all depends scaling manufacturing uh, manufacturing battery sucks but you know that's that's 200 billion dollars uh in in revenue going forward uh you know billion dollars net's going to come very soon uh, but this uh if we get to 200 billion dollars in in revenue in one year say it's 2026 right and they have uh i don't know even a 15% profit on that what what is that 200 times 15 30 30 bill net in 2026 or something like that and if they sell for you know what? That's like a twenty times forward PE ratio, right? Because they're about mm -hmm. six hundred today. Twenty times forward PE. I mean, that's a freaking bargain. We didn't even get started uh, talking about uh, mega packs, batteries, solar, solar roofs, uh, a Tesla insurance, which nobody cares about and talks about. Uh, Graham, you use it. Uh, you know, Tesla semis, the Tesla. I mean, I guess we can maybe include like this, the Cybertruck and that in, in the five mil. But I mean. Tesla's going to be, uh, I really agree with, that's one of the things I'm really bullish on with, with Kathy Wood is 
when she says Tesla could be a winner take most, I believe it. So, you know, what's interesting when it, when it comes to Tesla, I don't think anybody's factoring this in, but what if as Tesla decreases the cost of producing a Model 3, Model Y or whatever, what if Elon just keeps dropping the cars by the same, same amount just so he can take market share so the net income doesn't go up for who knows how long. He's just worried about market share, more cars and things like that. that that's, you know, because we have seen that. It, he, he is going to do that. Uh, I think, uh, it, it, you know, right now their average revenue is probably around 54K per car. And I don't even think a lot of people, I don't know what percentage of people are actually getting the full self-driving. So I actually think that could trend up, especially once this beta comes out and people are like, holy crap, I want to try that. I would <laughs> be shocked to see the average revenue per car go way up. Uh, you know, maybe 56, 57K. But I do think what you're saying is right. He's going to be dropping prices like crazy. Uh, you know, that's why I use 40 in, in my five year out. Hey, if it goes down to 35, fine. Or, or 30, mm -hmm. fine. The difference is just going to be the insurance and the semis and, and the energy. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's what I'm bullish on. You know, and, and I'm using yeah. net margin of, of 15, you know, what, what do you use? 15% net. I think that's probably reasonable. Who knows? Their net could fall a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe it's 25p. But then in the future, I think, think the self-driving is going to be so valuable. We don't even know how to value robo-taxis, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but but the self-driving suite they have, the potential software as a service suite they have, I mean, 20 is going to be a joke. L let me ask you, Graham and Andre, what is preventing you guys from putting 200,000 in Tesla stock tomorrow? Yeah, I'm, I'm considering doing something that way, that like that. I don't know. I am strongly considering it. Okay. But I feel like I missed it. I wish I bought it <laughs> before it went up 20% in a day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I already have more than that in Tesla. So I feel like why take the extra risk? Mm. That's what I think. But you have no margin. The risk right. is that you won't make Right. I don't know. I feel like why t why take the risk? I mean, if you have higher risk on Tesla, I'm sure you can make more money. I'd probably at this point just rather take the safer route. Just it's just again, it's, I think it's just peace of mind at this point. I, I'm more about just like conservative, safe growth than I am. I think about maximizing the amount of money that I can make. I have to give it to you. I mean, look at the S&P over the last two weeks. I mean, what is it? Was it like down like 5% or something like that? I mean, my crap was down like 28%. You know, I got smoked. Uh, right. and, and I'm like, damn, Graham's, Graham probably doesn't even realize we're in a market crash. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, days where everything is going up. I have, two, I have like the index fund category, and then I have the equities of individual stocks. They right. swing wildly. I mean, one could be up a hundred grand, and then the S and P five hundred is up twenty, and that could very well be flipped. One could be down a hundred, and one's down twenty. So, you know, let's I, let's, let's let's play a fun game, okay? We'll, we'll go round table on this. All right, you got to put every dollar you have in one stock. You're forced to do this. There's no way out of this, and it can't be like let's put it in an index fund or something like that. One individual stock. For the next 10 years and you're not allowed to sell it and it's only one stock what stock are you putting that money in let's start with you kevin and we'll, we'll go round table here i mean it's hands down it's it's tesla i worry that's maybe a boring answer if it wasn't tesla i'll just give one backup it'd probably be something you know it'd be like probably apple honestly would, would be that would be apple or amazon not the big growth but 
I'm I have confidence there'll be growth over the next ten years. You know, Andre, what would you do? I, I, if it's not, if I can't pick VTI, which mm-hmm. I think is the answer for should be for most people anyway, <laughs> but then yeah, I was I would go all on on Apple. That's what Apple. I did this, this past week. Yeah. Okay, so we got Tesla and then we got Apple. All right, and yep. what about you, Graham? Uh, AMC. <laughs> 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 Or the algorithm. Uh, <laughs> Google. <laughs> Google. Wow. Gurgle. Gurgle. I would do Gurgle. So we got a Tesla, we got an Apple, and we got a Google. This is getting pretty intriguing. And I would go with Facebook. 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 Yeah, Facebook is this the safest risk reward for the next uh, I feel like five years or so. I know um, you're really bullish about that, but the privacy, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. It is what it is. I think, I mean, it's just really, really undervalued stock at the moment. They got still massive revenue growth ahead for years to go in the future. So, um, but Google, like, here's like everybody knows, like, and I saw your text stream about this with, with, with you guys earlier, but uh, at least some of this from like two or three days ago. You're thinking that this this ad apocalypse or whatever at Facebook, basically, where Apple's stripping their data, isn't going to affect Facebook so much. And obviously, elaborate on that. But uh, you know, isn't it possible that Facebook is uh, Facebook's potential as a, as an advertiser is priced in, whereas maybe YouTube's potential as an advertiser is not priced in? You know, something that, that Graham holds dearly. Yeah, I mean, I, first off, I love Google. Google's going to continue to grow for years and years to go in the future, in my opinion. Um, the only threat to Google really is like uh, if voice search really takes off in a major way ever, which I don't know if it will. But if that ever was to take off, that's the real only huge threat, I feel like, for Google um, in terms of a Google search. But I mean, Facebook, you know, at the end of the day, like whether, you know, they don't allow Facebook to get a certain amount of data or something like that. Like if you're advertising, you still got to advertise on, on Facebook or Instagram. I mean, you could go YouTube as well. YouTube's definitely an outlet. Google search is super expensive nowadays. You know, 15 years ago, Google search was super cheap. It, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to like keyword up things now, but it is crazy expensive. So if you have a small mid-sized business, like Instagram and Facebook, that's where you go. Like where else are you going to go? Yeah, you could do some YouTube as well, but yeah. but Facebook and Instagram and, and you can't, you know, can you can't run a, you know, television ad or radio ads and that's just silly anyways. A billboard, like come on, man. <laughs> so, so you're you basically know. saying Facebook has a monopoly and Elizabeth Warren's going to swoop in and screw you up with antitrust. Well, I don't the thing is like the sum of the parts at Facebook's actually much more than the company's trading at today. If you were to break apart Facebook from Instagram and WhatsApp, that you're well over a trillion dollars. So that's another thing. And also, if they break apart Facebook, are they not gonna break apart Amazon? Are they not gonna break apart Apple and these other conglomerates? Google, you know what I mean? Like um that's something to factor in. So, you know, that's another thing is like, are they really going to break apart them? Cause you just open up a can of worms. To, then you got to break up. So potentially Microsoft, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of giants out there that are a lot bigger than Facebook. That just seems like so many variables to overcome though. And it's just like, so beyond me. I'm like, there's too many what ifs and maybes to stakes everything I have on that many obstacles. That's in my point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, debate, um, you know, that maybe Facebook wants to disrupt Apple's uh, iPhone. I don't want to call it a monopoly, but, you know, almost 50% market share, uh, potentially longer term. And maybe 
uh, Apple's trying to hurt them short term and trying to push for subscriptions because Apple gets a 30% tax on all subscriptions. So it's kind of like the Apple tax. And so Apple doesn't make any money if people are going on Facebook and running advertising, right? It's not really like a good thing for them. But if you have to buy apps and Apple's getting that 30% Apple tax all the time, you know, they're just collecting that money, collecting that money. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, obviously, all companies are going to say they're doing the best thing for what they feel for their people, right? Uh, Facebook's saying that they're doing the best for businesses they could possibly do. Apple's saying they're doing the best for customers. Everybody's got different opinions on this, but you know, there, there's, there's, uh, you know, these players could be in, in much bigger uh, long-term battles than, than I think we, we're seeing today. Right. Yeah. So technically, it's Jeremy versus Andre <laughs> because Apple versus Facebook. They hate each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love, I love Apple too. But you know, yeah. the thing is with the big tech, they always are fighting. It's it was Microsoft versus uh, Apple at one time, right? Then it was Apple against Google, and it still is Apple against Google, right? And, you know, Apple versus all these big guys, they're always fighting against each other. Um, Facebook wants to take market share over time from Amazon. Uh, they want to get much more into e-commerce over time. And um, they're partnering with companies like Shopify and other companies. They want so all these guys, they, they all want to eat each other's lunch. And it's just about, you know, they, they have to play good enough. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's gonna... definitely a higher, higher risk, higher reward play than Apple for sure. I wouldn't see. I don't really look at it like that. I don't really consider it higher risk. I think it is higher reward. But man, I mean, I do like Apple stock as well. I mean, you know, if my iPad breaks, I'm going to buy another iPad, right? Uh -huh. um, but your Apple Pencil, you'll go 30 minutes on text. Oh, board. don't go there, man. Don't, don't <laughs> remind me about that nightmare. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. Right. That was painful. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I just want to warn you guys, my Mac's almost going to die. I can't unplug anything because Apple uh, just you know, only we put should wrap up in. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Is everyone gone by now? I can't imagine anyone's still watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just hit peak viewers and we're going to leave at peak viewers. Uh, we made, no, we got it. We got to end it out on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, viewers do we have right now? 7,400. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's uh, it's like an entire stadium here at the MGM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should uh, let me let me just give a quick message to everybody watching. Make sure to hit the like button. It costs you nothing. It's totally free to do. It just takes a second. Just smash it and then go over the, to the uh, subscribe button and subscribe. There's no way you're not going to want to be subscribed because that's also free to do. And when we hit 100,000 subscribers, Jeremy has to go and buy Bitcoin. Yes. Half Got to go and buy Bitcoin. That is the goal here. We'll get We're halfway, halfway there. I, I'm literally trying so hard to hit 100K subs on Financial Education 3 before this channel, and there's no way oh, I'm going to do it. This is just destroying you me. Got to hit 100K first here so you buy the Bitcoin. <laughs> so subscribe. <laughs> It's painful, man. No, I don't mind. Can I buy Ethereum? Can I buy 100K Ethereum? Yeah, I, really I mean, I, I think that counts. 200,000, oh. you have to buy Ethereum. I got to know really quick. Do you guys ever see like in your analytics when, when you look? Because I was just talking about likes and Jeremy, you get into 100K. I know you're posting more on Financial Education 3. Do you notice if you post more frequently than your usual in the week, you get like uh, a higher, like, cause you always have unsubs every time you post a video or just every day that goes by. Here's Do you see thing. that if you post more like Jeremy and your three or Graham or Andre? 
I haven't noticed that. No. Yeah, I don't know. Grammar, Andre, you guys post pretty consistently, so you're not really posting more. I'm trying to do a midweek video. I'm trying to do a Wednesday one. That's actually going to be tomorrow. I'm dropping a Wednesday video, so I'm proud. What's it going to be? It's going to be the talk with Anthony Pompliano. So I just kind of oh. ask people, ask me anything about Bitcoin. And speaking of, give me a title for the video. I was thinking Bitcoin to 100K by end of, by 2021, because that's, I may have given I mean, away. That's what he point. talked about, if that's what he said. Is even that's that what he said? Well, I don't want to give away the punchline, but I guess I already did, so. Well, uh, I mean, if yeah, I mean, if that's what he said, I feel like that's what you have to go with. Like, if he said, like, it could go to a million by 2024, then that's what I would use. It's a, it's a hundred, yeah, by 2020. You got to do the next Bitcoin crash. How to prepare? <laughs> I just did that one recently, though. I can't do that. Can do it again. <laughs> yeah. Is is his name Pump or Pump like P U M P? Anthony Pompliano, but short for Pump. pump yeah. I thought it'd be cool I mean, just, to be like you just using his name. I think is great. Yeah. How, how did you get connected? That's freaking awesome. BlockFi, actually. Yeah. I was speaking to him about BlockFi because they asked, they offered me to be a private equity partner, and I asked, okay. I asked Pomp. I was like, "Hey, man, like, do you, I know you're a big investor in BlockFi. Do you like it?" And they're like, "He's like, yeah, I was gonna give them a hundred mil, but they only accepted 30. I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Are you gonna invest when it comes to this throughout the entire? Thinking about it, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting, though. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a cool video. Don't forget to subscribe on this video and okay. share it with your mom. Oh, yes. just he's just making sure everybody smashes and shares this video with their mother and maybe their father. I actually gotta go, you guys. So yeah, want to wrap it up. All right, <laughs> we'll take off. money, everyone. Everyone watching the stream, if you found this helpful, consider sharing the video. I'm going to end the stream. Thank you so very much for being here, and we'll Thanks, see guys. you in the next one.